Hey everyone, it's Colleen, and I am on the 16th floor of, what building is this? We're in the Wells Fargo South Tower. In downtown LA, and I'm in the offices of Startup Downtown LA, which mm -hmm. is run by Audrey Bellis, who I am here with today. Thanks so much for letting me chat with you today, Audrey. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So Audrey is kind of a rock star here in the downtown scene. She is doing so much for the community and for really building up um, the, the tech scene in downtown. And just to give you a little bit of background on her, she founded Startup Downtown LA, also Worthy Women, which is an incredible event series um, and conference for women and particularly entrepreneurial women. And also um, she's a co-founder of Grid 110, which is uh, an accelerator for tech startups and fashion startups in the downtown LA scene. But I'm going to hand the microphone over because mm -hmm. I have not done justice to everything that she's doing. I don't know if she ever sleeps. <laughs> she's shaking her head right no, now. No, I don't sleep anymore. <laughs> but Audrey, maybe just give our audience a little bit of background on all of the balls you're juggling right now. Yeah. So, um, so Grid 110 is probably the best place to start. So I actually built an e-commerce business after a broken engagement that I ended up uh, making an exit from. And following that, I really wanted to cut my teeth a little deeper into tech. So I was looking for my next tech job and I couldn't find one downtown. In fact, I couldn't find my tech community downtown. And my options were to go to Santa Monica or work remotely and I sold my car. I don't drive anymore. I yeah. really bought into uh, this work here, live here, play here philosophy that downtown embodies. And I didn't want to cross the 110 freeway. And back then the expo line wasn't built yet. So I said, I have to figure out where everybody is. I was working remotely for a content marketing firm based out of New Jersey. And I was sitting at home getting fat because I was in my what I call action slacks for doing no action. My yoga pants and sitting on the couch and kind of working. Um, but I really felt this like lack of community. I wasn't connecting with anybody. So I started co-working out of a space called Indie Desk, which back then was downtown's first co-working space. And selfishly, I approached the owners and said, hey, can I just run events for you? Like, nobody knows you're here. Can I, can I just reach out to people? And, you know, quite selfishly, I just wanted to meet other people. I was tired of feeling isolated. And I thought maybe I could network my way into my next job. And um, turns out I was really good at events and community building. And I helped fill that place to capacity. And I uh, started getting involved. And one of the big things I noticed was that people would outgrow IndieDesk and leave downtown. And I go, why are you leaving downtown? I just learned we have 6 million square feet of empty class A office space. Like, we have fiber internet. Maybe not in those buildings, but they're in, you know, they're up on Bunker Hill. What's fiber internet? So fiber internet is a high-speed internet, right? Which, when you're an online business and 100% of what you do is in the cloud, you really need to be able to upload and download files at fast speeds. And to be stuck in, like, AOL 1999 dial-up equivalent, basically, everywhere else except Bunker Hill, um, was frustrating, and even at IndieDesk, we experienced troubles with our internet because it was such an old building and we only had AT&T. And, you know, um, I had learned that fiber internet was in the street right in front of us running up and down Broadway, but we couldn't get it into our building because it's the property owner's responsibility to get it from the street to the building, which can be upwards of six figures. And in older buildings, they don't want to do that because it'll trip them into opportunities where then they're forced to pay higher tax brackets. So if they don't do those renovations they stay where they're at. The minute they start to do upgrades, everything has to be upgraded. And so many property owners that are sitting waiting for a developer to come in and buy them out, 
they have no incentive to want to do those things. Uh, And the other thing is those buildings are trendy, quote unquote, for like companies that are looking for that. It's got that like grimy vibe to some degree. So they're not struggling to fill them the way these class A buildings are struggling to be filled. And it's easier to securitize leases there because they want first, last, and month-to-month rent. Here, you've got to do first and last, plus a deposit, a personal guarantee, a letter of credit. So many steps. Five years of a lease, right? Yeah. And if you're a startup, many times you can't finance not that. not accessible at all. Yeah. So Grid 110 kind of came from that, where I said, um, at the time, Stephen Kane was running for downtown LA Neighborhood Council at large, our D-Link. And I went to an event that he was doing, and he hadn't won the election yet. And I go, hey, Stephen, I see you want to do tech things, and you're hosting a tech panel. I'm in a co-working space and people are leaving here and they're not staying in downtown. Like, what do we do to fix this? And so we formed what I call the unofficial tech task force. And we literally used to meet in the backs of bars and there's seven of us. Um, Myself, Mickey Reynolds, who's uh, the city manager for General Assembly downtown LA and helped launch. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So she actually was starting to launch the DTLA campus at that time. It was doing community events to build up the audience. Mickey Reynolds. Mickey Reynolds. Yep. Yeah. Um, Prashant Samant and uh, Jared Goodner, who founded Aikido Labs and are very successful. What's Aikido Labs? Aikido Labs is um, it's a health tech company, basically. They do database services for hospitals and HIPAA compliance. Okay. Um, and they are also the co-founders of DHealth, Digital Health, out of USC. They oh. bought a hospital basically. No big deal. deal. Yeah, no big deal. Our age, no big deal. Um, And they are also very successful graduates from uh, Y Combinator, uh, raised big round. They've they've done amazing things, and they're local. Um, Justin Wolski, local downtowner. Every every one of us lived or worked in downtown, right? Steven, um, Megan Setti, and Megan owns a boutique marketing firm for uh, social impact companies, many of which are technology companies. we just got together and we started forming this group saying, well, what are the problems downtown's facing and how do we solve them? And Grid 110, we decided to become a nonprofit. So we're actually a nonprofit uh, community and economic development group that applies an accelerator type model, yet we don't take any equity from the companies. And we select five portfolio companies per cycle. We're currently in our second cycle. We how, off- l- how long is the cycle? It's six months. Okay. And we offer them free office space for that six months with this idea that if we eliminate your largest burden, we can and apply mentoring and access to funding and other things that we're able to help you build deeper roots so that you'll stay in downtown and thrive at a more successful rate than you could have before. A hundred percent of our companies that have gone through our program have all taken on market rate leases. What does that mean? That means they're taking rent at the current prices, which are astronomical, which they couldn't have all done prior to being in our program. So by eliminating that and getting them access or the cost of office space for that short amount of You're time. You're jump-starting like, the economy here. We're essentially helping yeah. to do that in a small way. Mm-hmm. Um, and we focused in particular on fashion for this, for this cycle or for the last couple – first cycle, the second cycle, and ongoing for now um, for a particular reason. So, what, what are some of those reasons? When you look at downtown and you think of L.A., what are the natural things that you think of besides fashion? Yeah, let me think. <laughs> well, I mean, I I think also like the arts community, and then a lot of banks and finance companies. flowers, right? A lot of flowers, flowers. The flower district, six definitely. billion dollar industry with a B, and it only occupies six square blocks. Fashion, by comparison, is fourteen billion dollar industries, and it spans all of LA. Wow, and um, and LA is the biggest fashion manufacturing. Yep. So city in the country, right? Uh, more than that. So not only is LA a huge manufacturing hub, we have more garment workers than Paris, New York, and Milan combined. We have 300,000 garment workers, and nobody thinks of us as a fashion tech hub. You know what they think of? The guy from American Apparel. 
So we wanted to change that narrative. We wanted to showcase how when you apply technologies to natural existing industries in your cities, you can grow your community and enhance the community without gentrifying it and bringing in outside stuff or booting out people who you know have been there for a long time. And I keep hearing this term thrown around a lot, fashion tech. And mm -hmm. I've, you know, I've been to a few fashion tech panels, but for our audience, can you kind of dive in just a little bit on what fashion tech means? So we've, um, and that's a good question. That's something we struggle with internally. So, you know, originally we thought of fashion tech as wearables, software technology that supports that. But we've, um, we've extended even our this second cycle to be lifestyle brands and apparel that are and all e-commerce based. All e-commerce based. So I'll give you an example. Casetify, which is my phone case, original company to take your Instagram photos and. You could upload them and create your own iPhone case or iWatch band. And they started doing celebrity collaborations. Most people would say that's e-commerce. We look at that as technology. You're uploading your own photos and creating your own products, yeah. right? So we look at that as fashion tech. Okay. Um, so it kind of spans a broad narrative. I mean, if we said it was just e-commerce, everyone and their mom would be fashion tech, sure. right? So they need to be moving the needle a little bit, sure. using technology to enhance an experience of a product, and or service related to that. So like software for manufacturing companies, for example. Um, so that's why we started Good 110. And we've done well with that. We're in our second cycle. We've gotten some great press. Mm -hmm. We are very fortunate to be in partnership with Mayor Garcetti's office and Brookfield, uh, who owns this building. Like I said, they are the largest property holder in downtown. They own 47% of Class A property. But for me, that wasn't enough. Um, you know, solving fashion tech is great, but we have other challenges. People still can't securitize leases. I can only help five companies at a time through Grid 110. It's like not sustainable. It's not sustainable. People are looking for, you know, we need to solve other problems like parking, civic engagement, access to data, um, internet, right? Third-party internet. Like, we still hadn't solved the problem of how we're going to get the fiber from the street into the building. Sure. Well, I can do that now through Startup DTLA. So... That's how I started Startup DTLA. I went back to the mayor's office and I said, I want to so rebrand this city. I'm tired of building spaces. I want to build a city. Mm -hmm. And I said, here are the things that I think are wrong and here's how I think I can fix them. Let me be your boots on the ground. Can we do this together? And they were, thankfully, they you know, were happy with Grid 110, so they backed me and said yes. I mean, no one's really approached them from the perspective that you have. Like, I mean, this is, this, you are breaking new ground. <laughs> it, it feels that way. Um, and we're definitely doing that in the way we work with property owners. I help property owners reposition their buildings to be more tech and creative friendly and to attract tenants. We've placed over 200,000 square feet of creative office tenants in downtown in the last seven months, and I'm not a broker. That is the access to companies that I have that are looking for space because they're coming to us for our events. How do, you, how do you do that? How do you just approach these building owners, property owners who have been established for years and then you walk in and you're like, hey, this is what we want to offer. Have they been receptive to it? So they have. we've had a mix. We've had people that are very receptive because they see the development happening in downtown and they want to be a part of it and they don't know how. We have some that are like, no, we don't want to spend any money or do anything with our buildings and we just think that eventually someone will buy us out. All right, good luck to you. Um, we've been fortunate to work with the bids, uh, the business improvement districts and bids are funded by property owners. So property owners pay a specific tax based on the square footage that they have to the bids and the bids provide clean and safe teams and economic development for their region. There are nine bids in downtown. Okay. That's why we have the fashion district, the historic core, South they Park. All have bids yep. Associated. Little, yep. Little Tokyo has are its own like bid. Little, so they're almost like little communities that help build up that particular section? Yeah, they're nonprofits that are meant okay. to help drive new businesses into town uh, and provide clean and safe teams. Okay. Um, 
So the guys you see on the Segway happen out, have doing the maps. The purple police, or in okay. the fashion district, the yellow police. Yeah. We call them the fashion police, <laughs> right? Cool guys. And those guys actually work as eyes and ears on the grounds for LAPD. In fact, they're available 24-7. You can call them if you need an escort home because you feel unsafe. If there's some, a homeless person loitering in front of your building, somebody's graffiti, defecating, um, you feel any of those things, you can call a 24-hour hotline for your bid and have somebody come out. I, I like I didn't even know about bids. Like how does every city have bids and how do you go about contacting them? Like how do you so, find out about them? So downtown in particular, like I said, has nine bids which are available. Um you need to know where you where you live or work to be able to have access to that. Um not all cities have bids. Um for example, Philadelphia has one bid for the entire city, which is probably what we should have for LA, but for downtown sure. at least. But we have nine um like hyper subsets within that. Okay. Not all cities have bids. Not all cities have those same economic development efforts. Um, so the bids have made introductions to property owners for us. Um, and some of that's just through networking. Sometimes those introductions come through the mayor's office or Councilman Weezer's office. And some of that's just from our community stuff. Like when we get PR, people go, you know, we get people that reach out and go, oh, hey, hi. Or commercial real estate stuff. I work with a lot of brokers despite not being a broker. Um, so all those things had to come naturally, and that's really how we're monetized. The other way we're monetized is working with cities, and we're now working with other cities outside of L.A. to advise their innovation teams on how to build innovation hubs. Really? So yeah. other cities are coming to you yep. for advice? Yep. Interesting. So that's something that we're doing um, so you're kind right of now. becoming a consulting firm, too. On accident, yes. Wow. So we've made some attention because I like to use the term holistic cities because yes. I don't believe that the city has to do everything. It is the building owner's responsibility mm -hmm. to create – um, not just public-private partnerships, but to create experiences for their building where people want to stay, right? If you own a property, you're not just obligated to maintain it for your tenants. You should have an obligation to the public space surrounding it so that you're improving the neighborhood, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that people want to be there programming to drive your own leases. And many property owners don't do that. Um, so we're very fortunate to be able to help people reposition themselves in that way. And what happens is they attract better quality tenants Tenants that can securitize long-term leases, credit tenants, so that when they go to sell their building, they're selling it at, you know, 20-fold, wow. which is a big deal. Yeah. And they're enhancing the community that they're in. They are physical anchors in the community. You should be doing more. Sure. Yeah, I mean, um, well, you know that you're going to be established there long-term, so people are willing to, like, you know, want to give back to the community and invest in it's it. It's driving so. your own property values, yeah. Yeah. right? You're helping the community, but you're also driving your own property values. Mm -hmm. And we, when we position that phrasing that way, we help we help them see that. Yeah. Um, yeah so that started DTLA, and then uh, Worthy Women was an accident, yeah. quite frankly. So when or we, that was was that that Grid One Ten that kind of feeds out of startup downtown LA. So kind of the opposite. So Grid One Ten um, is the accelerator. Is the accelerator startup DTLA. Think of us as a community resource center, which is what this office mm -hmm. is. We hold um, free programming, daily lunch and learns, evening panels oh, and mixers. Oh, you do? Oh, mm -hmm. that's so neat. We, do, we have a commitment to the community to do at least one free activity every single day. Open to the public. No way. Yep. I didn't even know about all these events happening here. Oh, that's why I'm event life. <laughs> Hashtag event life. Yeah. Well, this is great. Like, I'm totally getting the word out. Yes. Thank you. Okay, good. Um, so we help people do three things to the community at large. And everything we do is low cost and free to the public, despite not being a nonprofit. Startup DTLA is a for-profit business. We're monetized through property owners and through cities, although not through the city of LA. Our relationship with LA is merely a partnership. Um, we help people find office space. 
So that's how we work with property owners. Okay. We help um, create a sense of community through our events. And then the third project is a research proce- project where we categorize everyone's who's here in downtown, who all the startups are, who's gotten funding, how much, and by whom. Um, which is important to know because how else do you do that? And then the final piece that we do is what we call the VC lounge where we help get startups get in front of local money to get funded here in the heart of the financial district with a commitment to stay in LA with a first right of offer on Bunker Hill. So you are committed to this city. <laughs> I am, I've got roots, right? <laughs> you do. Um, and then the next part of what we do is Worthy Women. So Worthy Women was a little bit of an accident. So and I just have to say, I went to a Worthy Women event mm-hmm. the other month and I was like blown away. There were over a hundred women in the room yeah. from all different backgrounds, super diverse crowd. I met some of just the most cool, like innovative women. And I know that's a term that I a lot of people are throwing out, but seriously, it was just so neat to see such a diverse group of, of women. And um, so super excited you started this. Thank you. So Worthy Women, um, we were testing content for Startup DTLA last year, and somebody approached me and said, hey, Audrey, why don't you do something specifically for female tech entrepreneurs? And then they fed me a line that I think is hilarious. They said, um, when I go to the west side, I I can only go to the west side for tech events, which is why we started doing tech events. Because on the west side, we have like Snapchat, Santa Monica, everything, all these startup companies. Absolutely. and she said, when I go to the West Side, there are more ginger beards in plaid shirts than there are women, much less women of color. And gingers are 2% of the population. We're half of it. How does that even begin to make statistical sense? And I, I thought about it. And the next event I went to, there was a ton of ginger beards. And I'm looking around going, yeah, okay, it's time to do something here. Um, so you hit the ground. We hit the ground running, so we started. And then, you know, we said, okay, we're going to do a women's event. Mm-hmm. And then we were like, what are we going to call it? What are we going to do? And my publisher was on me because I'm, I'm publishing my first book this year. Oh, my gosh. Congrats. What's Thank that going to be about? It's a self-help book slash memoir of my broken engagement, uh, my slutty year, my celibate year, and then building my first business, which I made an exit from. I'm intrigued. Thank you. I hope you at the book signing. Thank you. <laughs> um, and the title of it is called Dirty to Worthy. And um, so I said, you know what? My entrepreneurial journey is about me finding my self-worth, right? That's where my success has come. When I, have, when I decided that I was worthy and I lived in that kind of integrity, I saw results from that. And what are the things female entrepreneurs struggle with? Finances, Definitely. funding, leadership. Yeah, just like self-confidence product. too. And everything I believe stems from a place of whether you feel worthy of it or not. And so I said, let's call it worthy women. Hashtag worthy women, because that's what these are. That's what we're all struggling with, right? And let's pick a topic on finance, right? Because I figure you can't build a business until you've taken care of your own personal finances, right? And the second part of that was because women don't go for funding, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. So I wanted a narrative about that. I said, let's do a panel. It sold out. So we just kept doing it, and they just kept selling out. And the one that we had this Wednesday had 175 women. And it was our 12th event, and we only started doing them in – our first one was last year, August 26th. I mean, you have found a need and, like, capitalized it. Oh. You've found that niche, and you're bringing them to this watering hole. Not just that. We have a guest in our audience who last year heard came to Worthy Women. Mm -hmm. She works at Mattel said, I think you'd be a great speaker. Will you be our opening keynote for the women of Mattel? So I went and did the women of Mattel. And then Mattel said, hey, we have this whole diversity and inclusion program for in-house women, female executives, women of Mattel. Um, 
can you bring worthy women in-house for something like this for executives? And I said, yes. And it turns out most of these big companies that we work with have diversity and inclusion programs and or women of Deloitte, women of SoCal Gas, yeah. Ernst & Young has their women, um, City National Bank. And so we started working with enterprises. So at that point, we had to separate out worthy women from being an event series to its own brand. And we do the free public event series third Wednesday of every month. We're doing our first conference in November. And then the way that's monetized is through our enterprise work. So we go in once a month to these major corporations and put on Worthy Women events internally for female executives with the idea that whether you're self-employed or working for somebody else, um, we're the movement to help you play big in your life because the relationship that you have with everybody else is a direct reflection of the relationship you have with yourself. So how are you showing up? Oh, yeah. Everything's integrated. You have to, yep. you have to be transparent about who you are as a person because that feeds over into how you run your business every single aspect yeah. right and so so that's it that's it in a nutshell worthy women was an accident <laughs> start of dtla was an accident grid 110 was like i just want to get people to stop leaving downtown i want them to stay here no, but you had but there was something there that you knew you wanted to fix you saw challenges you saw problems and yeah. you wanted to go on and change and i think for most people that's really where you start to see um success when you start to ask yourself why isn't anyone doing this why does this not exist why does everybody have this problem and it's not being solved that's when you sit there and you go oh who's the best person to solve that you because you understand that you live it mm -hmm. and you can do that mm -hmm. and you know uh, i was saying this before we started recording but so much, I think, of my success comes from my own naiveness. I just didn't know better. I just asked. I said, I don't know how to do this. Do you? Why is it like this? Who is to participate to make this work? Let's ask them why they're not doing this. And so interestingly, um, you know, we get to work with people like the mayor's office, the city attorney, LAPD, the controller's office, like really amazing people where you just sit there and you're like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> I'm fangirling you right now. I didn't know all the different layers that go into the city. I'm fascinated by urban yeah. planning and by urban design and the way that our cities are changing. I don't know how it works though. And so I am excited that you took the time and you kind of approached it with this childlike wonder to demystify it for the rest of us. Thank you. And I, I feel that way too. You know, I've, been, I've actually been looking at the urban planning master's program that USC has and like debating whether I should apply for it this fall because, you know, the deadline's coming up and should I take my GRE again? My undergrad's in psychology, oh, okay. um, which is hilarious because we use that in Worthy Women. And I, when I was in college, my counselor told me I would be a horrible therapist oh, and I should never gosh. pursue that. Have you and talked she, to her since then? No, I haven't. She told me I was very aggressive. I should go into business, so I did. Well, you're kind of in both now. <laughs> I'm kind of in yeah. both. Um, but my involvement with urban planning has gotten to be so much on accident, and I love it so passionately where I sit here and I go, oh, maybe this is, maybe this is it. Maybe I've become this. And rather than being an accidental urban planner, how do I become an urban planner on purpose? Mm -hmm. And especially now that we're working with cities and expanding that, how do we continue to do more of it? Gosh. Yeah. I'm... I'm just so glad you're in the city. Thank you. Um, okay, so now that we kind of have a background in all the projects that you've been doing, and I, you've mentioned a few times, you know, you really want to build up the downtown LA scene, but I've also um, read from an, another conversation, you know, you call downtown your home. And, like, what, what were your childhood years like that makes you want to build community and just, like, really in, jump into the downtown scene? Um, so I'm born and raised in Long Beach. Okay. Um, so so Southern California. Girl. Yeah, Southern California. Can't take me away from the sunshine. In fact, I would die in anything below 75 degrees. Um, so 
I grew up in a very Norman Rockwell type family. My mom's an educator. She works with adult special needs students, always worked with the school district. My dad's an engineer, mm -hmm. uh, missile defense systems for an aerospace company. Oh, my dad's yeah, aerospace engineer too. Yep, just retired. Um, you know, this philosophy of you have two kids, you buy a house with a picket fence, you get two dogs, you live, you work, you retire, that's it. Like very much a suburban girl. Oh, yeah, I could not live that way. And I just, I, I always felt like there was more. And even when I was a little girl, like downtown always excited me. I remember my dad bringing me on the blue line to come downtown to like, you know, go shopping down here. Like uh, we're Mexican on my mom's side of the family, Italian Jews on my dad's. And I had a cousin in town from Mexico when I was a little girl, and she had these boots that went over the knee in a black vest with a fringe, and I wanted it so bad. And I remember my dad brought me here to Broadway, where they sold all the like Mexican-style boots, to buy me a pair of boots. And I distinctly remember that experience on the train, walking downtown, and being like, oh my gosh, I'm alive here. And as I got older, I started to drive. I remember like ditching school to come down to buy our prom dresses in Santee Alley and like buy beads to make our own accessories. And um, it just, it was the place that always drew me. It was always a little grimy. It was always, everyone always had their hustle. They're cutting me off in the street because they have somewhere more important to go, I think. Someone's trying to sell you something on every corner. And I live that. Like, I'm a hustler. I live that lifestyle. Um, I bootstrapped my businesses. I've worked hard. And I feel like, one, I'm amazed in awe by the beauty of the city where I look out and I go, oh my gosh, somebody thought to build this and it just works. And the other part of it is the fact that people come here with nothing and they make it. It's a love story, right? Mm -hmm. Like my relationship with the city, I have a love story with the city. Yeah. Um, and after that broken engagement, coming to downtown was like, this is the place that, this is the place where I'm going to build. This is it for me. And it has, as much as I've embraced downtown, downtown has embraced me. I feel like I'm a part of my community. I walk down the street and I see people I know and um, and they know me and yeah. and that's and that is a sense of home for me. Mm -hmm. And um, and I've said this in in other places before, um, but you know, like we were saying earlier, yeah, LA has made me, but downtown truly has called me home. Yeah. It calls me home. Like yeah. this is this is it. I'm a part of it. And you know, I don't think there's any other city in the country outside of Detroit where you have the opportunity to go to and actually build the city you want to be a part of. Like, you can go to New York and build the tech scene. It's already yeah. there. You can't yeah. do that in San Francisco. But L.A., I happen to be doing the right things at the right time with the right people. Mm -hmm. It was the... It all came together in its own perfect it moment. At the right time. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart, and I think downtown L.A. has, has drew me in, like you, um, because I lived in New York, and um, lived in San Diego, and then now here, and... I, I hail from the Midwest. I'm a Midwest girl, small town girl. And I've always, I think, struggled with uh, really recreating that sense of community that I, I had back in the Midwest. And I've noticed that as more and more people are moving to the cities and out of the suburbs, um, it's not impossible to create that same small town feel in the city. It's yeah. just a matter of how much you want to invest in it. The city can be a home, like you were saying, and that really resonates with me. I'm yeah. all about like trying to recreate the Midwest like lifestyle in the city. And um, so I, I'm, I'm just so glad like what you're doing. And I, I do like I sold my car last year, like you. And um, you know, you start to see the same people in the metro and yeah, LA metro. Uh, some people too. Some of my friends from New York were like, "What? LA has a metro system? The fastest growing uh, metro system in the United States currently, and the most comprehensive." LA Metro. Yep. I want to know from your perspective, what 
what do you love most about the LA Metro? And I know there's challenges too. Uh, there are definitely challenges. Um, so I think the thing that I, and first mile, last mile are truly the challenges, right? It's how close are you to your mm-hmm. nearest uh, station, bus stop, what have you, and then how many transfers do you have to make to get yeah. to your end destination. Yeah. Um, I love that I, I mean, this is going to sound ridiculous, but I, so I walk Metro, Uber, everywhere. I'm like a princess now. I can drop my pin and someone can come and get me. Yeah. Um, I can Metro and get close enough or take the bus close enough where I don't have to take off my heels and put on my flats sometimes. And that's the sign of like good and, you know, point to point transportation. Yeah. I love that the Metro, um, I can sit and be productive. So, you know, we were talking about, we were joking earlier how I don't sleep anymore. Um, that's very true, but I'm also very productive because I don't lose time in the car driving. Mm-hmm. Whenever I'm in a car, if I'm in the back of an Uber, I'm emailing, I'm responding to things, I'm texting, I'm tweeting, I'm Facebooking. I am 100% productive all day long. I have access to oh, everything. Yeah. And that is the difference. Whereas, you know, I know people who spend four to five hours in the car every day, they lose four to five hours of commute and then they're exhausted. Plus they have to work an entire day and then they come home and they have to deal with all the stuff that they missed. And I don't have that problem. Yeah. I'm responding to it in real time all the time. I hear you. And that's, that's huge for me. And the other thing I think is, um, you know, talk about your sense of community. You were saying that you see people, you know, on the Metro. Mm -hmm. That's so true. Um, there's a Metro safety ambassador that's at the station. So um, my parents lived near the Artesia station. And um, I always see him on Monday mornings. His name's Lee. He's retired, but he does his Metro safety guard where he opens the gate. He's got an accent. (laughs) He's from the South. And he goes, um, he calls me Fancy. Hey, Fancy. Good morning, Fancy. You wearing that dress and those heels? Oh, Fancy Lordy, you looking like sunshine. (laughs) I love that guy. He remembers my birthday. And he always brings me cupcakes. Oh, stop. Oh, True story. Sometimes he brings me coffee. And he knows he's going to see me Monday yeah. morning at 830 in the morning, yeah. guaranteed like clockwork. And um, he was telling me, and he always tells me fancy, you know, more, if I wear workout clothes or I'm not dressed up, he goes, oh, Lord, you're not that fancy today. <laughs> and um, when I haven't seen him in a while, he goes, fancy, what you don't gone to? I, I, I went to Bali for three weeks. Fancy, I, I ain't seen you for three weeks. I was so concerned. <laughs> I was thinking something happened to you. I was asking everybody, y'all seem fancy. And we're doing this uh, hackathon with LA, with Metro. Yeah. And he goes, fancy, I'm in a meeting, and I'm looking up at that there projector, <laughs> and I see you in your pink dress, and I go, y'all know my fancy? <laughs> He's a guy who doesn't know my first name. He only calls me fancy. I love and this. I've gotten on the train on the blue line, and yeah. other people hear him say that to me, and they call me fancy. Look at like, you. They know. Like, it's my walk-up song or something. <laughs> and it's so funny. And I had somebody, um, I was on the train one time, and he goes, hey, you're fancy, huh? Wow. Like, you are getting quite the reputation. So th- things like that. I love that, right? You my see, bus driver knew me. And when I, like, yes. started to take a different bus and I came back, like, and he'd what be happened? like, where have you been? Yeah. It's- and then one time I fell asleep on the bus, and he said, Colleen in the back. Because yes. he's like, you're stop. Yes. That's... I- I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, you can't get that in the car. 
No. Right? Like, I love that. I love that. I love Mike from downstairs. He knows that we do events all the time here, and he knows our ice schedule, and he can tell by how much ice I'm buying, what I have going on, and, you know, <laughs> and he's funny. He's Persian. He always tells yeah. me, Audrey June, how many bags of ice you come? You come You come maybe 5.30 this time. You come a little later. I bring my son. You meet my son. You're a single. So is my son. He's very good. You should meet him. <laughs> Maybe don't come by the ice. He think you're alcoholic. You buy so much, so much ice. I just say you're like a wizard of accents. Oh, I love accents. A voiceover actress in your next life. Well, I'm a storyteller, right? That's my job. So, so yeah. So I love that about the Metro. And then again, I really enjoy like the point to point contact. So yesterday I went to the Ideas LA conference. I took the Metro to Santa Monica. I got off. I walked to the conference. I did my speech. I had to be back for an LAPD thing at lunch. I took, you know... I took the train all the way in, um, transferred to Union Station, got off at Alameda, took a you know three minute walk, made it to the event. One of the cops dropped me off here. Like, nice. I know, right? Building security totally raised their eyebrows at me. Like, why are you coming in a cop car? Um, but like stuff like that, it's amazing, and I um, and I love that sense of uh, you know, like you said, like community, right? Where I'm, I am a part of that, and it like you said, it doesn't have to be fast paced for it to feel. No. You know, like it's moving somewhere. It doesn't. No. Yeah. Ah, thank you for all that background. Um, one thing I wanted, I meant to bring up earlier and I didn't, but um, you have been very much a part of building up the creative workspace in downtown. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we think of co-working space and creative workspace is, is a hot buzz issue these days yep. and really interesting. And we always think of like open floor plans and like, you know, it's, you know, people are lounging on couches with their laptops and there's like Ping unlimited, tables. Amount, yeah, unlimited amounts of coffee. How do you see creative space and where do you see it going? So my biggest beef with creative space is the fact that people say it needs to look like my office does with an open ceiling and polished concrete floors and everything open. Um, I think creative space is, creative office is a lifestyle. It's not a space. It is the environment that you're in, and that's not always created by furniture and design. It's what your people bring to the table. And when I say lifestyle, I mean people that sometimes they're going to work from the office, sometimes they're going to work from home, sometimes they're going to work from coffee shops, but really where they're going to work is out of the park. It's a very hybrid. It's hybrid. Working space. And what do you need to be able to create creative office space in that capacity to be a hybrid? Is free public internet, high-speed public internet. So we partner with 5 by 5 Telecom, which is owned by Rising Realty. Their property, the park on 2nd and Figueroa, is the fastest free public Wi-Fi in L.A. And it's free. Wow. Um, and every property that we work with, if they don't bring in 5 by 5 I can't work with them high-speed fiber internet at a fraction of the cost of AT&T. So again, as a property owner, what are the amenities you're bringing to your people so that they can do their work at a fraction of the cost? Mm -hmm. And or, you know, when you're spent, and cogent and fiber internet, it's expensive. It starts at a minimum of $1,000 a month. You know, that's $12,000 a year just in internet. Yeah. Not including your lease and your payroll and your parking and all the stuff, right? So, um I enjoy working with them. They make that they make that happen. But when it comes to creating creative office lifestyle mm-hmm. stuff, it's public space. It's truly activating public space with technology. That is how that happens. Mm-hmm. And they are a great proponent of that, which is why we work with them. Good. Good insight. Yeah. I'm all about creative space. Because I, I kind of work everywhere. And yeah. you know, if I could like sit on 
you know, a park bench and work and then move into another space. I need to yep. have those different And imagine if you could be on your own secure, private, wireless network the entire time. Yeah, I'd be down with that. That's what they do. It's called connected square footage. That's what 5x5 does. So yeah. when you're outside of your own building, you're still on their internet. That's so neat. Without having to log into like a guest thing. So fascinating. Yes, yeah. please, let's make this happen. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I am obsessed with telecom, yeah. right? Because I was, try again, trying to solve yeah. my own problem. I yeah. became obsessed with all these things. Awesome. So before we sign off, I want to ask you, what is your favorite place in downtown LA? Whether it's like a restaurant or a cool like workout hub, what's your go-to spot? Ooh, good question. So probably the two places that keep me fed the most are Pez Cantina, which mm -hmm. is downstairs from my building. I go there for lunch all the time. They do a scallop taco like you can't imagine. It's amazing. I'm starving right now. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Drop my name at the bar. They know me very well. Uh, <laughs> Peking Tavern with their dumplings, oh. handmade dumplings. And Where's they do, Peking Tavern? It is on the corner of 8th and Spring, and it's downstairs underneath the Chironi in the basement. Uh, they do handmade dumplings. Saturdays, they have a noodle artist who does hand-pulled noodles. A noodle artist? <laughs> Shanghai street food, but in an amazing way. Awesome. Um, a really cool environment. Yeah. And then I would actually say, like, my favorite brunch spot in town um, is Horse Thief Barbecue at Grand Central. And they oh, do yeah. brisket breakfast tacos with $3 bellinis. Ah, wait, what are bellinis? It's like a mimosa-ish, but peach. Ah. Oh. Yes, so good. I love that place, but I haven't been there for brunch. You have to so do it. And those tacos are humongous, like brisket breakfast tacos. Yes. So good. So good. Yeah. Well, Audrey, this has been really fun. My mind is kind of blown. I'm even more passionate about downtown LA. And um, I am excited to go to your next Worthy Woman event and get on the bandwagon here at your events here at Startup Downtown LA. Um, so thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.